0: Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. It is great to be with you this morning. And uh, I am going to share a one-off message that is near and dear to my heart. And it's something I've simply entitled, Whole Heart. Everyone say, "Whole Whole Heart. Not half your heart, not a bit of your heart, but whole heart. And the reason I wanna share this is because Jesus came to bring change. In actual fact, Jesus is a change specialist. He didn't come just to bring modification. Jesus came into my life and into your lives and into this world to bring transformation, not just modification. Can you shout out transformation? God wants to bring transformation in our lives. Modification is less than God's best. John chapter 10, verse 10 says it this way, that Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full, have it with a capital L, that we might enjoy life to its absolute limits. That's what God's plan and purpose for us is. And when we get born again, which is a biblical word for the transformation that takes place when we give our lives to Christ, we experience a metamorphosis. And a metamorphosis is a complete change in form, in structure, and in substance. And it's what happens, as many of us would know because we went to school, what happens when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if any of you is in Christ, He's a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. See, modification will only ever make you a better caterpillar. But Jesus didn't come to make us better caterpillars. He came to turn caterpillars into butterflies. He came to bring about a transformation in our lives. Because butterflies, get this, can go where caterpillars can't. Butterflies can go where caterpillars can't go. There are things that you can fly over when you have your wings. There's things you can soar through when you have your wings. And the only way you get your wings is to let God put you in a cocoon. No amens. To put us through a process of change. And that process, according to the scriptures, is called sanctification. It's just a big word for change, the ongoing change that takes place in our lives. And it's a process where the Holy Spirit continually addresses issues of our hearts. That's the work of sanctification. And this is the issue that Jesus was addressing in Matthew 13. And that's what I want to pick up the story from right now. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus engages in a crucial conversation. Matthew 13, verse 1 says this The same day Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. In other words, he was using the boat as a stage. And the water as an amplification system, in order that everyone could hear his words. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil, it sprung up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they, uh, they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Then he said in verse eight, still other seed fell on good soil. Ever say good soil? Good soil. Where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or 30 times what was sown and then verse 9 simply says, Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, Jesus taught in many ways, and one of the common ways in which Jesus taught was through parables. And parables were stories, they were anecdotes, they they were a metaphor to highlight a deeper point. We need to understand that Jesus was never shallow, but he was always simple. He kept things simple, but he was never shallow. And this particular parable was an agricultural metaphor where he highlights seed amongst four different types of soil. Soil that was the path, soil with rocks, soil with weeds, and then the good soil. And it's interesting to note that it was the same seed on each occasion. It was the same seed, but different results depending on the soil that it fell on. And if the seed is good and can produce fruit, then the problem can't be the seed. And the seed represents the Word of God. And so the Word of God is not at fault. It's more to do with the condition of the soil. That's what Jesus is saying here. It is the condition of the soil, not just the quality of the seed that determines whether or not my life bears fruit that is consistent with what is being sown into it. Does that make sense? So Jesus not only articulates the parable, but later he goes on to explain what he meant by the parable. And in his explanation, we understand that he's not talking about seed and soil. It's a metaphor for a condition of the human heart. Jesus is trying to get their attention, as I'm trying to get our attention this morning and talk about the condition of the human heart. See, this parable is often preached as four heart conditions of four different types of people. And while I don't think that's necessarily wrong, and I think that approach certainly has some merit, the problem I have with that line of thinking is that we often assume that we are the ones with the good heart. We're the ones with the good soil. And we're hoping all the ones with rocky soil or whatever other kind of condition there is, we assume that it's talking about someone else. But I wanna put a bit of a spin on that this morning and I wanna offer another option. One that hopefully will speak to all of us. And I wanna look at the fact that I believe that it highlights four different conditions that you can have in the same heart. Can we be open to that? In actual fact, the human heart has four quadrants to it. And it's interesting that Jesus uses four different options. And so it's possible that we could have four different conditions going on at the same time in the same heart. By way of example, you might ask me, Tony, do you have a good heart? And while I'd love to say, yes, I have a good heart. If I'm honest, I would have to say, that depends on what part of my heart you touch. You see, in 2016, some of you will know this, but I had heart surgery. Uh, But it was only my mitral valve that was damaged. It wasn't my whole heart, it was just a part of my heart. But it still needed fixing. We have a picture here behind me of when I was on the operating table. It was a pretty dire time for me. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I've certainly felt healthier than that day. But the reality is, my whole heart wasn't bad. But there was a portion of my heart that wasn't right. There was a portion of my heart that wasn't healthy. And can you imagine me saying to the doctor, no, no, my heart's good, I'm okay. He might say, well, that's fine. This part of your heart is going well. This part of your heart is going well. But there is a part of your heart, one of the valves is very damaged. And if we don't get in and fix it, it could damage the rest of your heart and ultimately your life. See, some areas of our heart are good soil. Other areas are more like the path. I don't know about you, or maybe I'm just letting you know something of how I live my life and some of the things that go on in my life, but I often can hear something and forget it immediately. Is there anyone else here who's bold enough to say, I heard something and then I forgot it? How many of you have ever read the Bible and you close it and you can't remember one word you just read? (laughs) I, I promise you in that moment, that's not a good part of the soil. That's the bit that just immediately forgets. So you can have a good heart, but a part of your heart could just be that shallow, that we hear, we forget, we read and we forget. And it would be a brave person, man or woman, to say, that's never been true for me. I retain everything I've ever seen or heard. I'm just not that person. I'll be honest with you. There's times I, 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 I'm reading my Bible and I'd love to tell you every time I read my Bible, it's just like rainbows and butterflies and angels and It's just not, sometimes after reading my Bible or more to the point, after I finish waking up, it's not always exciting. And so it highlights that there's a work to do with me as I'm sure it does with you. Other areas are more like the weeds and the weeds represent worry. Is it possible to have a good part of your heart but still worry? I certainly know for me that that is the case. There are some things I don't worry about at all. Don't even touch me. But there are other areas that are more near and dear to me. For example, when it comes to my kids. I don't know about you, but when it comes to kids, you tend to worry about your kids more than other things or other people. This may may sound like a little ridiculous to some of you who aren't animal lovers, but we've got a little Maltese Shih Tzu and, 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 and whatever you think of dogs, whatever you think of pets, we love our little dog and, and he's just gone through a really tough time and he's still going through a tough time. And I, I wanna, I, I've lost a little bit of sleep thinking about and caring for this little dog. And uh, the other day I just heard him whimpering and, I'm, and I it's in the middle of the night and I'm just getting up checking on him, I'm lying next to him. And I'd like to say I'm just full of faith, don't worry about anything, but there's there's a part of me in my humanity that loves Jesus, but still worried about certain things. Is it possible to have a good heart, but still worry? Is it possible to have a good heart, but actually have shallow thoughts? Then it talks about the rocky heart. And this is the one I really want to talk about this morning the rocky soil talks about how they received the word with gladness but it can't bear fruit because within the soil there is rocks and so the seed can't take root it can't get a hold of the soil strong enough to grow to maturity And some of these rocks aren't just on the surface. Some of them are in the soil, under the ground and out of sight. And the only way you're going to get the rocks out of that soil is to dig and to remove those rocks. Is that making sense this morning? And this is what the Bible calls the hard places. And so it's possible that a portion of my heart or your heart could be hard. And that's what I want to address this morning. It's the the hardness of our heart. Because when our heart becomes hard, we're not going to grow and we're not going to change and we're not going to be transformed as we are led to believe we should. And so a few things that causes this hardness to take place. The first one would simply be this wounds. Hard places of a heart are the result of wounds. You know, this is what I know. It's impossible to get close to people without getting hurt. The price of love is grief. The price of love is pain. The price of love is hurt. It's just inevitable. You cannot get close to somebody without getting hurt. In actual fact, those that you are closest to will cause you the most pain. Can I get an amen this morning? And all of us, myself included, suffer emotional injuries and if we're honest, it hurts. The question is, who wants to get healed? It's one thing to get hurt, but who wants to get healed? What I have come to conclude is that many confuse A healed heart with a hard heart. A healed heart with a hard heart. You see, my heart in 2016, though it was broken and needed fixing, if I'm honest with you, it wasn't hurting. If you said to me, what was was the pain level before you had the operation? I said, there was none. In fact, I questioned, do I really need the operation? I actually didn't feel I needed the operation because there was no pain. But just because I wasn't in pain didn't mean that my heart didn't need fixing. It was broken, but it wasn't hurting. Jesus, sorry, just because you are hurting, sorry, just because you are not hurting doesn't mean you're healed. You could be not hurting just because your heart has become really hard and closed off to certain things. And so what we're saying, it doesn't hurt, means we no longer feel. Are you with me this morning? How you handle that hurt determines whether that soil is good or rocky. And if there are rocks in our heart, Or there are hard places in our heart, we won't receive the word. You know, some of you have a great understanding of what marriage is. And I can talk to you about marriage all day. And you'll ask me questions about marriage, because you you just love marriage, you believe in marriage, you want a great marriage, and you want it to get better. I thank God this church is full of young people who just seek Kath and myself out and ask questions about marriage. They look at our marriage and, and they love what they see and they and they want that, and it's awesome, and it's fantastic but there are other people who don't have a great model of marriage. And so they don't want you to talk about marriage. There are many people today who don't wanna get married. Don't talk to me about marriage. What is that? That's, that's, that's a hardness that's set in. We may have good parts of our heart, we're okay in other areas, but, but in that area, just don't touch that area. Don't talk to me about marriage. I've got a story about my dad running out on my mum and leaving us with no money and no home. Don't talk to me about marriage. Hard. What about church? You can't go to church without getting disappointed in people. And there are many people who refuse to go to church because of the pain of what they experienced in church. Don't talk to me about church. I tried church. I tried Christianity. And hardness, and and, and the Word can't penetrate that because our hearts have become hard. And a healed heart, a soft heart, is one that has removed the wall that was built by a fence. Spoke for four weeks about a fence. The same wall that keeps others out is the same wall that keeps God from getting in. And so if we want to get healed, we've got to start bringing down the walls. Secondly, hard is a heart become because of weaknesses. You know, we don't pick our strengths. We don't. We can develop them, but we don't pick them. Yeah. I mentioned about the Cleases, Joe and Dan, and, and, and just, they didn't pick that. They, they just were given gifts and, and they've developed them, which is awesome, and we benefit from that. But ultimately, ultimately, um, they didn't choose them, but they did develop them. And likewise, we don't pick our weaknesses. We can act on them, but we don't pick them. Our leanings, our iniquities, our propensities, our idiosyncrasies, our ungodly behaviour. All those things, we don't necessarily choose, but we can act on them. And the reality is, we all have different ways in which we lean. For some, it's anger. Some people just don't seem to get angry about too much. They're very even-keeled. Others, they just got a quick trigger And those who don't have that quick trigger can judge those that do, but the reality is we all have weaknesses. They might be different. We didn't choose them, but we can act on them. And if you've been trying to overcome something, one of these weaknesses, for a long period of time and don't get any success in that area, it does something to your heart. It does something to your heart. The result is that your heart becomes hard. And we tend to tap out and surrender. Instead, I've tried that. I'm not trying it anymore. Thirdly, things that make our heart hard is worship. And so the question is, what or who are we worshipping? This has to do with the idols of our heart. In Ezekiel, it says this, Chapter 14, then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man. These men have set up idols in their heart and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Tim Keller says it this way An idol is anything that is more important than God, that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, and anything that you seek to get that only God can give. I doubt that anyone in this room today or watching online has a golden calf. You read the Bible, you can come away thinking, I know what an idol is, it's a golden calf, it's a golden image, it's a golden statue. Well, I would say that can be an idol. It certainly was an idol for those back in the day. But an idol is much more than just a golden statue. An idol can be someone, it can be something, or it can be somewhere. Have you ever found yourself saying to someone, oh, you make me feel so special. That makes me feel so good. That could be an idol. That makes me feel so important. That place is the best place. I mean, we've just had holidays and we had two weeks in Bali. And I gotta be honest with you, by virtue of how many times I've gone to Bali, it would suggest I really like it. But Barley didn't die for me. Barley didn't sacrifice herself for me. And, And so the question is, what do you put first in your life? We've been through a global pandemic. And we got used to things like church online. And while I believe there is still a place for that, I believe that if we're not careful that can become something that just gets in the way of us doing what God ultimately wants us to do. In other words, wherever you get your identity, your acceptance and your approval from is your God and you will put first. And all of these things can build a hardness of heart. And so the question is, how do we deal with these areas? A few thoughts this morning. Number one, we got to repent. The reason some things have not changed is that we love something more than our future right now. We have to be willing to admit that. You'll never overcome what you can't acknowledge. That's what repentance is about. It's acknowledging where you've messed up. It's acknowledging your struggles. It's acknowledging you haven't got it all together. It's taking responsibility of our own lives. You might not like the particular number on your scale right now, but you have to weigh up not liking that with how much you like certain foods. And until we acknowledge that, the number will never change. You might not like the fact that you are apathetic or or tend to be more lazy, but until we face the fact that we like sleep more, nothing will change. You might not like the fact that your friendship circles are toxic, but until you face the fact that you actually like the benefits that come with those friends, Nothing will ever change. Until you know what you like about what you hate, you won't be able to change what you hate. Is that making sense this morning? So we've got to repent. We've got to take ownership of our own lives. Secondly, we've got to remove. we've got to remove ourselves from toxic environments surrounding. We've got to, we've got to remove ourselves. And thirdly, we have to ultimately replace what it is that we've removed. If we don't replace it, we'll end up just adopting it back into our lives. We have to clean out and take advantage of the opportunities that we've made. We have to have a God-first lifestyle. If we don't, we're going to kid ourselves that our heart is good, and this doesn't apply to me. But we're going after those hard areas in our heart. So what does a godly, God-first lifestyle look like? Very quickly. Very quickly. For me, a God-first lifestyle says, give God the first day of every week. That's why we come to get church on a Sunday. I know there's more convenient ways with church online these days and everything else. And again, thank God for church online. I think it serves a purpose. But when that becomes the only way we now engage with people, I don't believe it was ever God's intention because God wants us to be in community, serving and helping one another. Celebrating with those who are rejoicing and mourning with those who are sorrowful. Secondly, a God-first life is a God when we put God first in your day. And thirdly, when we give God the first fruits of our income, and Cass already spoken about that this morning. These are opportunities that we have to break down the hardness of our heart. In 2016, when I was told there was probably my heart, I had no pain. But I had to entrust myself to someone who was able to see something I couldn't see. And then I had to place my hands into the hands of someone who could actually fix it. You have to be in the right environment if you're going to deal with the hard areas of a heart. I promise you, if you've got something wrong with your car, you want to go see a good mechanic, not just a mate. You need someone with the skills. And why I'm so grateful that we get the opportunity to gather together in a place like this is because it gives us an opportunity to acknowledge and remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message.